Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Welcome to another Diva Behavior episode that is going to be dominated by Diva Divination with Sarah Armour. She is our rabbinical astrological genius. <laughs> rabbinical. <laughs> My grandmother will be so happy you said that. Because you, I love when you talk about how you're a rabbi because you are. You're like a type of rabbi. Yeah, I'm a r- modern, modern rabbi. We're just doing moon cycles and gossip. Some people think Diva is a diva to you. Would you say, are you one? I never said that. Diva behavior. Great gowns, beautiful gowns. <laughs> of course, I don't trust you. Diva behavior, the podcast. So we're talking all about the day's biggest pop culture news. This was a great weekend. So much stuff happened. So much stuff. Let's start with the Courtney Kardashian and Travis Barker thumb suck. So this video Travis Barker posted for Courtney's birthday. Say about it. It's a video where she's sucking his thumb. Well, here's the thing. Two things that we can say about it. I do think it would be interesting. So I have both of their charts up. I think it would be interesting to look at each of their charts. And because like I I could see them being, and I have not looked at, this is first drafting, you know, I haven't, I'm not like a researcher, LOL, but I'm curious to see their charts together because on some weird level, I sort of, I sort of feel like they're soulmates. Like I really like them together. There's something about it that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. And it drives me up a wall because, you know, I've been trying ever since I was a teenager to get over this authenticity versus posers question, because I think as someone who you probably relate to this grew up in the nineties and two thousands, this was a huge topic. Who's a poser? Who's real? And it doesn't seem to be a thing anymore. I don't think Gen Z cares. I I don't. That's so interesting. What poser was, that was like the biggest insult. If you told someone that they were a poser or someone got called a poser, it was like, oh my God, I'm like hiding under my covers for right. three weeks. They think I'm a poser. And like a sellout. And Gen Z, there's no concept of selling out. It doesn't exist. So the thing that interests me about Courtney and Travis is Travis was probably called a poser back in the early days of Blink-182 because it was pop punk instead of punk. But he's now sort of morphed into this elder statesman of rock because we're <laughs> one of our last remaining like cool rock guys. Well said. And Courtney is the ultimate quote unquote famous for being famous has no talent. Not that I care about that, but has like inauthentic, like on the, you know, the old fashioned 20th century hierarchy of who deserves respect and who doesn't in the celebrity world. Like he would be relatively toward the top and she would be toward the bottom. Yes. And I'm always advocating for us to stop, to throw that hierarchy away. But now that they're together, I guess I'm just jealous because it's making me mad. <laughs> Because I'm just jealous because Travis Barker was my favorite member of Blink-182, I guess. Well, I love Travis. And I feel like one of the things that makes Travis specifically, like, right, early on, he may have been thought of as a poser. But that's also because we as a culture, uh, you know, I feel like the 90s culture was also low-key, very insecure. Like, in a way that now people are insecure, but in a different way. But now, like, or, or then there was this. We're all making like, memes about how insecure we are. And back then it was like, I'm not insecure. What are you talking about? Right. Right. We were insecure about being insecure. And like, as a result, we did project a lot of our, like, I think calling people a poser, like looking back on the psychology of it, like what an interesting thing for the youth to take on as like, because it's basically saying like, it's basically this idea that we would celebrate like individuality and like unique creativity. And then you look at someone like Travis who like low key I mean, he's really not a poser. Like, he's actually such a unique character. He's gone through a huge amount of stuff. I mean, from the plane crash to he and Shauna's. I mean, he actually had a reality show. I want to say, was it before the Kardashians? Right, that's the thing. It's so easy to forget because he has this, like I said, the sort of rock star gravitas. He was one of the earliest reality stars. Yeah, and, you know, just out of curiosity because – I, I, you know, so, so Shayna, his first wife or his second wife, actually, but his first famous wife, 
um, I pulled up her chart as well because she kind of is a part of this only in that she does keep commenting on their relationship in very underhanded ways. So like there's, I don't know if you've seen this, but there's all this drama because she, since they started dating, her uh, Instagram posts have become uh, very easy to read into as subtweets. Oh my God. Keep talking and I'm following her on Twitter. Yeah. Oh, she's great. And she did a post uh, right when they first, first started dating. And then she used the caption from Justin Bieber, uh, the Justin Bieber lyric, which is like, you know, my mama don't like you and she like everyone. Right. So she posted that and it it was a little bit like, Hmm. And then somebody commented just like a, you know, a, a, a normie commented, my mom likes everyone but the Kardashians. And then Shauna liked it and said, uh, same, my mom too. So something like that. So there's like a lot of that going on. There was also an interview. I don't know if you saw it. She but looks amazing, P.S. Dude, she's so hot. I, I love her. A few weeks ago, Travis got Courtney's name tattooed onto his chest. And so there was a paparazzi that, you know, followed Shayna and was like, hey, blah, blah, blah. Like, what do you think of, you know, what do you think of Courtney? and uh, Travis's relationship and she's like I'm happy for them and then they're like what do you think of her new tattoo and she's like if they're happy I'm happy but like it's time for her to get a tattoo for him and they were like oh what like why do you say that and she's like I mean look sweetie it was something like you know I'm, I'm this is a paraphrase but it was something like look sweetie like she's not the first person who you know he got a tattoo of like does Travis have a tattoo of you and she was like obviously and then she was like but now it's Courtney's turn and then she flashed her wrist where she has Travis she has a Travis tattoo on her wrist so she was basically challenging Courtney to be like okay if you're as real as me as his you know as his partner now then you need to get a tattoo because he and I have tattoos and this and you're not special for getting a tattoo he does this with everybody and actually I'm the one with the Travis branding and then she was like but I'm planning on covering it up soon <laughs> people are so different from me (laughs) (laughs) 100% like would you ever I would just never get a I'm not a tattoo person oh yeah I'm not a tattoo person but even if I wasn't and I love I think a lot of tattoo people are really cool I almost got a tattoo but I got bangs instead thank god but (laughs) I I just even if I was a tattoo person I would never get a tattoo of a guy on me ever because just yeah why and then I would never brag about it I just feel like Maybe I'm old fashioned, but I feel like I agree with like the guy gets a tattoo of the girl. I'm not getting a tattoo of a guy. That's crazy. I mean, I actually don't, I want to just say, and I, again, like, I don't have any judgment of it really. Like, I think, you know, to each their own tattoos. I, right. I wouldn't get a tattoo period, mostly because I don't really trust my aesthetic sense. So I feel like like looking back mm. on things that I thought were like, so cool. to It like, would be like getting Uggs welded to your feet. In the 2000s, <laughs> and you can never take them off. That's so funny, but like 100%, right? Like, if I was just walking around in like a cropped bomber jacket, you know, for the rest of my life, it would be like, gee, like that was cool for a minute, or like Jankos, although I guess they're back in style. Okay. But it's like, right, like, like chain wallets. Like, what if I really put a, what if I was like, just to show I always have money, I'm putting a chain on the side of my body connecting to my pocket area? I don't know. That's, yeah, these are bad tattoo ideas. But right, like I don't trust myself enough to get a tattoo. I also don't trust my aging process enough. I do think in general, white people go fast. And if we are not really drinking a lot of water and moisturizing, which we're trying to do, but you know, sometimes it's hard and we're Mm -hmm. drinking, you know, it's not like, I think unless I was taking like super duper duper optimal care of my skin and my like hydration and my health in every single way, it's like, why, not only would I get a tattoo that would eventually be something that I found to be like unattractive in, in general, but then it's going to just like basically shrivel up and melt. Like, what am I going to get? Restylane shots in my tattoo? Like, I don't need, a, I don't need like a droopy heart. Also, the worst thing that you can ever see that will turn you off tattoos, and I have a stand-up joke about this, is like, go to any boardwalk in New Jersey on the <laughs> first day of the summer when all the really pale people are out and they're just like their skin is glowing in the sun and there's just like an old ugly tattoo on it that no, will just yeah, make just, you be like I can't if you're gonna always so yeah if you're gonna always have a good tan if you're gonna always be in shape or if you just don't care go for it but, but let's do the TLDR of their astrological situation because we have a I, lot to get to what is TLDR too long didn't read it means, uh-huh. it's like in a nutshell yeah 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 okay so basically 
you know, so just for anybody who doesn't know, when you're looking at charts together, there's two ways to do it. So you can either look at the combination chart, which is basically like the chart of the relationship itself, or you can look at the synastry, which is like where these people are connecting, right? So I'm kind of curious. Let's take a look at the synastry between Courtney and Travis, Courtney and Travis, just to see like where it is energetically. That and even before you get into that, just tell me real quick, what was your reaction to that thumb suck video? Well, actually, yes, let's start there. Okay. So wait, if for any, describe the thumb suck video for anybody that, or describe the post for anyone that didn't see it. It was, it all happened so fast. It was basically uh, like, it was her birthday. It was Courtney's birthday. Obviously she's an Aries and it was a video on Travis's Instagram where she, it starts out with her mouth completely on his thumb and then it sort of like slowly backs away. So when you first look at it, you really don't think it's a thumb. It's sort of an optical illusion. Right. Uh, it's like a little, it, it seems like, I feel like it was one of those things where I guess my first thought was like, how did I not learn this trick? Like, it seems like a funny prank that somebody learned in like the eighth grade and was like, you know, if you take a picture, if you take a yeah. video soaking your thumb, you know, it looks like she's going down on you and then it's the, ha oh, she's not. Like, I my, I guess my first thought was like, so funny. How hadn't I heard of that? Like, what a good, because I, for a minute, I was like, what? And it's, it is so fast. But then when they pulled the thumb out, I was like, wow, what a, what a great trick. Like, I was like, I, I want to, like, I want to do this. Like, so funny. What a good one. What a, Keep an what eye a on Sarah's TikTok, everybody. <laughs> I thought it was very funny, but I do think it's, I mean, oddly, I, f I find it to be, and I guess it's supposed to be, but it seems to be more suggestive than any bathing suit shot she's ever posted. It might be the most suggestive thing. She did post something super suggestive a few days ago where I guess he like braided her hair, but then she posted a picture of her on all fours showing the braid being like, what, like, you know, Netflix and chill, but we're, the only thing we're watching really is each other or something like that. It was a very erotic and fans were like, oh my God, did she know this was public? I think it was meant to be a private post. Obviously it wasn't. She's madly yeah. in love and super empowered. Also though, in that oh, same slideshow, Travis posted a picture where you can see like up her yes, butt kind of. A butt cheek. Yeah. A lot of butt cheek. So uh, yeah, yeah, I found this post to be more suggestive than any half nude photo she has ever posted. And I got to say, I liked it. I liked her for it. I think it's very, I think it's really fun to see this side of Courtney because even when she was with Scott, she seems to have been in relationships repeatedly that are very much kind of it seems like they're for business on some level. Like, she clearly resented Scott from like the oh my God. jump. Resent Scott. And then she was with Eunice, who I think is so gorgeous for so long, but they didn't seem to have any real, like, it didn't seem like they had a lot of connection as much. Yeah, but as, also like, she has such a, she's not, she doesn't seem like someone who's easy to connect with, but no. I think her and Travis are obsessed with each other and it's I think really, so it's endearing and cute. So tell me about the chart TLDR. Okay. So I think that this couple is really deeply healing for both of them. So there are some really fun elements here where it's like, okay, so uh, Courtney is an Aries. Scott, uh, Scott. Oh my God, Scott. Oh my, it's like when you use an ex's name, I'm like James, Randy, Josh, oh, you know, um, LOL. So, so Courtney is an Aries and Travis is a Scorpio. Now you don't usually think that sun signs, or you don't usually think that, that fire signs and water signs are compatible, except that both of these are signs that are number one ruled by Mars. So they're, they're sort of both aggressive in nature, sort of, um, uh, you know, powerful in nature. And they actually low key are very compatible, even though they're an sort of out of modality match because they're both like the, like the level of intensity is equal. Right. You and you can this see that part, from this post, they are so intense. They're so intense. I mean, when you put the word, they put, they're like their big introduction, like introducing themselves as a couple was a note she wrote to him. Like, let's completely destroy each other. It's like, where that is some Aries Scorpio. If I have ever seen it. Yeah. Okay. It's also funny because it, it's funny, and I like that they're acting like teenagers, but it's also yeah. just funny because they're both in their 40s. Well, but they also both seem to collaborate with teenagers fairly regularly, and they're both, you know, they do have sort of a teenage 
I don't know if it's arrested development or that's just like the nature of the pop business where like teenagers rule, but they write, they both have a very teenage energy. And I think one of the benefits of the sign Aries in general is that it is the most, it's not, it's the youngest sign. It's the most primal sign. So it's, it's, you know, it is sort of big baby energy and his moon, which is really what he needs to feel safe. It's really his inner world is also in Aries. So he, let me just make sure that that's, yeah, so he has an Aries moon and it's exactly conjunct her Mercury and Mars and then her sun follows. So actually her outer persona, her more aggressive nature, the part of her that that is sort of motivated to do what she does and speak the way she speaks and really the the essential person that, that she is, is like to the degree they are exactly connected. So to him, we know that, her whole outer performative, you know, choices are like speaking to his soul. He, his inner self is her outer self. So when he's like, I totally love you. I love that you exist. You're a gift to the world. He means it. And he's like, you're a gift to me. He needs a woman that's on his level of intensity, but that's not actually like Shanna Mokler for all the things that you want to say about her. And I happen to like her, but she is a little bit crazy like she you know if you look back at their relationship drama it's like epic toxic relationship hilarious oh, that they yeah. even tried to it's like to me their their reality show is equivalent to the to the kevin fetterline britney reality show it's like why why would you want to show us this and this will obviously be the end of the relationship like it, it's it's like to broadcast your toxicity with the wow. world is like so crazy that. i know i was thinking about rewatching it too we could rewatch it and then discuss and you know what else we need to watch? well i'll get to it later but we do need to watch the, the demi lovato documentary Oh yeah. Okay. Let's, let's, let's pivot to Demi and the Froyo. Yes, please. Okay. So, so, me, so give them the story and like, what did you think? Oh wait, no, wait first. What did you think of the thumb suck? Like what was the first thought you had? I was, I thought it was something else. And then when I saw <laughs> what it was, I was just like, I love how immature they're being together. Yeah. Like the, it's so immature, but I yeah. like, that's really cool because they are in a new relationship that's clearly making them feel like they're as young as the people that Scott dates. So that's, <laughs> so that's exciting for them. That's really funny. I totally agree. And I do think it's really, yeah, it's just really nice to see this side of Courtney that she's actually moved enough to really change. Like her online persona has changed so much since this relationship. And I think there must have just been a part of her that thought, you know, my kids come first. I'm really not that interested in love and relationship. And I guess that's just, I'm, you know, that's not what I'm going to focus on. And she is such a great example of why it's so worth going through that breakup cycle because who knows what's on the other side. That's so true. That is so true. That. This is going to like change her life. I think this relationship, yeah. even if it doesn't last that long, it's going to definitely leave a big mark on her. And she just yeah. seems so tightly wound in the last couple <laughs> seasons of the show. I mean, she's always been sort of dry cutting, not warm and fuzzy, but she just seemed like she had nothing was making her happy in the last couple right. seasons. Like she would say like, I don't like work. Work doesn't make me happy. And it's like, right. well, it, your job is literally to sit and be yourself on camera. So uh, maybe your life's not making you happy. Right. Like if you don't like this, you might just not like yourself. Like if you don't want to just get paid to be yourself, then like that is a problem. I feel like I want to, I'm going to say this and this is alleged. This, this is, this is my own speculation, but I mean this, I think this might be the first time in her life that she is having good sex. Hmm. Okay. I, I think mean- this is her sexual revolution. Okay, yeah, because Scott was wearing salmon shorts and loafers when they first started dating. <laughs> right, and he was a complete and total blackout drunk. So, yeah. like, there's no way that they were getting home and actually sharing, you know, real... Like, I feel that Courtney and Travis are actually really deeply intimate with each other. And I think part of the excitement... You know, like, when you first lose your virginity and you kind of want to tell everyone, it comes up in every conversation. Like, yes. oh, oh, by the way, I had sex. So, by the, you know, the way that they feel in the vein of teenagers is, like, the first time, you know, someone goes down on you and you're like, oh, by the way, 
she won't draw that. You know, like I think yeah. she wants us to know. Actually, I do have sex, and I am sexual. I'm not just a pretty stiff robot. Yeah, and like Eunice had too many abs to be good at sex. So, okay, so let's pivot to Froyo. So Demi Lovato, she posted this weekend. I'm gonna pull up the post so that I can actually read it because the things that she said. One of my favorite tweets that I saw about this, yeah. and I can't remember who the guy was who tweeted it, but he said. Anytime your sentence begins with, I had a, I'm having a really hard time, having an extremely hard time ordering Froyo, you don't have a real problem. <laughs> That's so funny. So she wrote on her Instagram story, finding it extremely hard to order Froyo from the Big Chill official when you have to walk past tons of sugar-free cookies, other diet foods before you get to the counter. Do better, please. Hashtag diet culture vultures. So I think I'm going to have to make that hashtag a thing. I will be calling harmful messaging from brands or companies that perpetuate a society that is not that not only enables but praises disordered eating. Then she goes on to post some DMs with the brand, which this is the crazy part. She has 120 million followers on Instagram. This Froyo shop has 7,000 followers. And it's a small business that's recovering from a pandemic. So it's not even, we're not talking about TCBY or like- Or Ben and Jerry's. Red Mango. This is like just someone's little shop. Yeah, someone's little shop. So So they said, we're not diet vultures. We cater to all of our customers' needs. And she goes, not just that, your serv- and she posted this, your service was terrible, so rude, the whole experience was triggering and awful. You can carry things for other people while also caring for another percentage of your customers who struggle daily just to even step foot in your store. You can find a way to provide an inviting environment for all people with different needs, including eating disorders. One of the deadliest mental illnesses only second to opioid overdoses. Don't make excuses, just do better. And then she sent, she posted another one where she's, giving them suggestions, make it more clear that the sugar-free options and vegan options are for that, labeling the snacks for celiac or diabetes or vegans. When it's not super clear, the messaging gets confusing. And being in LA, it's really hard to distinguish diet culture versus health needs. I I just want to say, like, first and foremost, do we have confirmation of how they were? I mean, what did it say? Yeah. Super healthy cookies, super healthy. Like, what are they saying that's so... So one photo that someone posted is... It was a lot of stuff was vegan or sugar-free, obviously for vegans and diabetics. So that is ridiculous to get mad about. I mean, obviously it's not ridiculous. I understand if you're recovering from from eating disorder, that's really rough. But it's it's not an it's not a diet thing. But there were these cookies that said "Eat me guilt-free, 22 grams of protein," and it said "High protein, low carb, gluten-free." So, okay, but that's still not, that's not really saying, it's not like they're saying, okay, okay, eat this guilt-free because of the protein is actually, to me, a health forward message. It has nothing to do with weight loss or sugar or whatever. It's actually saying, like, if anybody, not, not into diet culture, if you just are into health or just knowing I what's think in it's, your body, protein is something we want. Yeah, but 22 grams of protein is so high for a cookie. That is straight up diet food. That is really, like, Whoa. that's going to taste like chalk, and I'm going to love it. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to eat that. Send me the eat me guilt freeze because <laughs> right. I'm all about that. But, like, it, the, the thing is – if you look at the photo here, I'll send it to you yeah. the photo of the actual display of the eat me guilt-free. Yeah. Um, it's really funny because it's a little basket with a bunch of them just thrown in there and keep in mind, this is a frozen, uh, frozen yogurt. Froyo spot. So the thing is someone, they were like, probably what happened was some salesperson for eat me guilt-free came in and said, oh, you guys don't have any high protein options. Take these. Maybe they were like, take these. It's a new thing. We won't even charge you for it. Just build up a customer base. And whoever was working was like, all right, whatever. Or the manager was like, yeah, it's LA. Obviously we need, everyone is like high protein doing crazy stuff. So like, I don't even think as much thought went into it as she thinks went into it. It's right. Just- this looks like a, you're, and I agree with you. This looks like a promo from a company where they're going, hey, people can grab these and try them because they're trying to get, you know, business like that. It's like they're, they're yeah. like their free episode. Yeah. And it's like a small little display. It's one little box and it's just, I feel really bad for her because she's got a point like associating food with guilt 
has no place in the 2021 discourse. It's, you know, she's right about that. It's not cool. But being someone with 120 million followers and going after a small business over it, it's, and this is something that I think about all the time. Like the way that call out culture can sort of create red herrings and scapegoats. Like she really thought she was doing something with this. Right. She really thought that she was coming for diet culture, but it's like, no, you just came for this small business that probably like breaks even each month. Like, yeah. and not that it's not going to change anything. So it's like when the Britney Spears documentary came out and everyone was like, Diane Sawyer owes her an apology. It's like, no, we all did that. It was all of us. It wasn't, Di- it was Diane Sawyer speaking for all of us. And like, doing you- her job at the time, that was what was normal. Yeah. So it's just, I get her frustration, but it's also so funny because it's first world problems and it's like, Kim, there's people that are dying. Right. Yeah. This is the Kim, there's people that are dying of, of LA gossip and, and like food drama. I mean, here's, here's my first thought. If anybody who has gone, anybody who has spent a lot of time in therapy, which you know, I have the, <laughs> like one of the most, imp- like to me, the most important takeaway from therapy. If, and if anybody wants to skip therapy, this, this is what you need to know. When you are having a feeling, the the worst thing that you can do is try to put it on someone else for multiple reasons. So to me, if she, here's what happened. Demi Lovato went to go get Froyo. She was triggered. If she wants to, let's say this was a relationship. I do a lot of relationship therapy. If she was in a relationship and we were talking about Demi in a relationship with this Froyo company, the way that you would be uh, maturely handling this issue is that you would just share your experience in an attempt to actually connect, which means that you own it completely. The minute we start like placing blame or attacking others for the feelings that we're having, whether it's just or not, not only does the conversation or the fight end there, because the minute you start attacking someone, they cannot hear you. But actually the only way to create real change is to share what's actually going on for you and people can actually hear you and have compassion for you and then decide to, to adjust. So to me, Demi could have said, I want to share this experience that just happened for me. And anybody who struggles with diet culture or eating disorders, listen up because you're not alone. I just went to a, a frozen yogurt place and I was immediately triggered because they had this, 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 and this set up. And I found the entire experience to be really difficult. And I'm now home feeling hurt, feeling confused and processing my feelings. And you could either ask a question to people, Hey, do you guys feel like this is something that as a culture we should address or, you know, you know, who else has been triggered in this way? What are the tools that you can use to get around it? The minute that you start going, I felt this way. And so this is what's wrong with you. Even Mm -hmm. if it's true, even in a fight between two people or a fight between, you know, it's like, it's like, you can't just say I'm having a feeling and you did something wrong. Yeah. It takes no, it, it takes the responsibility completely off of you. And it makes actually creating compromise or change almost completely impossible because you, the minute that you start anything with a fight or with blame or with judgment, it's really over. You're then part of the problem. So I, I totally get, I mean, I think when we're talking about Demi Lovato, what an interesting character. And, you know, she is in a lot of pain, right? This is someone who we know is in a lot of pain. She's recovering from this insane overdose where they thought she might never walk and talk again. And she lost her eyesight. She's now like, like almost legally blind. She like, and she just put out a statement a few weeks ago saying that she wants everyone to know, even though it's very hard for her to discuss that she is not sober or, and even talk about here, you want to talk about the the irony of this fingers pointed back at you, Demi in the interview, what she said was that she was actually California sober And she, when she describes, so usually when people, I have a lot of friends in California who are quote unquote sober, but they're California sober, which means that they smoke weed. When she says I'm California sober, which means I drink, I'm drinking in moderation and smoking weed. Well, that's not even what California sober is. So yeah. for, for, so, so for them to say these cookies are guilt-free is no different than her going, I'm sober, but I'm California sober. That's also mismarketing. You're not sober. And You're it trying could to drink. Other, yeah. And it could make other people think that 
that that's a, that that's normal. Yeah. The way the diet culture might say, yeah, eat a ton of chemical sugar and pack your cookies with fiber and protein, and then you're you, this cookie is a diet cookie. It's no different than going, yeah, good for you. You're sober. Just drink in moderation and smoke weed, and you're sober. It's like both. She's actually calling the kettle black. You know, it's like it's no different. And I think that that's why it's like, she is just so triggered, which I do understand. And I do feel for her. And I do think it's, and I want to say diet culture vulture, if that didn't exist before, I think it's a great hashtag. I think that's the kind of hashtag that could really take off a rhyme. A rhyme is great on the internet, but like she is very much so in her pain that it's like when you see someone do stand up about you know, an abusive parent or like the drinking issue that they're currently struggling from and they're drinking on stage. It's like too soon. You're not ready to talk about this because you are not processed enough for it to be funny or removed from your quote unquote stuff. Like you can never, to speak from your trigger is just like the number one rule of adult communication. Do not do this. Do not speak from triggered. Oh, it's hard not to do that though. Like I have to scream at people if they chew with their mouth open around me <laughs> because it really triggers my fight or flight response. I but have like, a even, condition. Even I bet you that you would get more success. Not to, you know, not to coach Sarah, I can't help myself. If instead of being like, you're disgusting, don't chew with your mouth open. Oh my God. If in fact you were like, Hey, I'm so sorry. I'm having a reaction where like, I feel like I might throw up and it makes me want to like leave this dinner. When I see, when I see people chewing with, you know, their mouth open or talking with food in their mouth, it actually really grosses me out. If I knew that I was grossing you out, I would stop doing it immediately. But I don't a lot of people don't. Like really? I've only said it when it's someone who I'm close enough where I'm like, look, I have to just tell you that the way that you're chewing, I have this thing. It's not you, it's me. But could, if you could just do me this favor and when we're hanging, like to my mom, I'm like, can you just chew with your mouth closed when I'm I on? love that it's your mom that's chewing with her mouth open. I know. What a funny one. Well, and also so funny. And she too, still won't do it. She's like, no, I'm, I'm just going to do it how I want. And I'm like, you're being rude. Like, what does she have? Like blocked sinuses? Why would anybody, what a, what a strange firm, firm no. Like, no, actually I chew with my mouth open. It's like, that's why? not even a thing. Like that's just, yeah. it's actually just like, don't. Right. That's like saying like, I, I poop with the door open. It's just like what it is. Like if you're like, Hey, can you close the bathroom door? It smells in the apartment. It's like, actually that I like, don't believe in closing the door when I go to the bathroom. It's like one of those things where it's like, yo, this is like, this is actually like weird for you to hang on to. Yeah. She's an Aries. So well, there you go. But but it's constant war. No, totally. Yeah. I mean, Aries, the thing about Aries too, that I think is really hard is like, they will, you know, when you say like, do you want to be happy or do you want to be right? Aries want to be right. Uh huh. And they they want want conflict. The happy Mm -hmm. for them is in a state of conflict. Yeah. Right. 100%. And and domination. Well, and so this is sort of interesting because yeah, I just, I, I feel for Demi. I, I don't know what the future holds for her. I worry for her because I think she's, I think she's so talented. I think she has a, from what I can see, she has a great heart, beautiful soul, but she clearly struggles with addiction and she clearly struggles with addiction of all kinds, compulsive behavior, compulsive. And, you know, it's interesting too, because in her, in her chart, I mean, I I want you to guess her things. I think that would be kind of interesting, but I think, you know, what Demi really, the lesson that Demi needs to learn is not necessarily about you know, I mean, sobriety or self-love or whatever. I don't think that's the issue. I think that she, and I can see it in her chart where she struggles. I think she struggles with kind of knowing how to, other than through song, knowing how to connect and communicate in a way that isn't just like drama. Like she seems to only Mm -hmm. operate in the, in the level of like, you know, either I'm talking about, I'm I'm emotionally talking about something that I've just been through or I'm emotionally outraged or I'm hardcore using, like she's always like upset or come or explaining being upset. She had to 
come at this diet culture vulture thing by antagonizing a small business, not just by saying, Hey, here's something I've noticed a lot, not by strategizing mm-hmm. with a group of people. Cause I think she's got access to a lot of the best people in the business for any sort of public campaign. Instead of that, it was just like straight out the gate, shoot from the hip. I, I would say she's got to have some Aries in her chart. I think that she's got a big issue with surrounding herself with yes people. I think that is really one of the biggest things from what I've seen. Um, Also one time on her old documentary that came out like four or five years ago, she says how she got, she punched a backup, a backup dancer in the face because they told the Jonas brothers dad, she was on Adderall. And I just thought that was, no. so she's got to be Aries because just war. She's just, constantly on the war path well and like side note that's like she really is wearing her addiction on her sleeve because like even Adderall which is something that's like widely prescribed and can be used pretty appropriately like if you're on Adderall and you're punching people you're you're abusing Adderall if you punch your backup dancer like that's that's actually the Adderall throwing punches not her (laughs) that's so true whoa so true and relatable so I think she's got Aries I think she's got to have some sort of water sign just because she, I feel like she's got to have maybe some Pisces in there just because of how she kind of goes with the flow and she is constantly, no, but she's not changing. She's not ever changing. Even whenever no, she not. gets, yeah, when she gets a new look, she is still so her. She's not chameleonic at all. You know, she, like, even she gets a pixie haircut, you almost don't notice. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like she really is. And even with the weight stuff, Demi Lovato at her thinnest and Demi Lovato at her fattest registers the same to me. Yeah. she And she looks incredible either way. So, okay. I'm going to say she's got Aries, Taurus, and maybe Scorpio, but I don't think Scorpio. Tell me what, tell me. Okay. Molly, your astrology is getting so good. I'm so proud of you. So first of all, that last minute audible from Pisces to Taurus genius move there because you're absolutely right. So she is a Taurus moon and it is exactly on her midheaven, which is her legacy, which is her career. So Taurus moon. She's a Taurus moon. I'm a Taurus moon. You're a Taurus moon. So here's the thing about Taurus moons, trigger warning. When you talk about someone who doesn't evolve, that is Taurus moon. You probably have the same like hairstyle or just like issues. or I mean, certain things you phase out of, but it's like Taurus moons. The Taurus is the least interested in evolving or changing because the whole thing with Taurus is that it's all about what you value it's all about value it's all about comfort luxury it's about food sensuality so so for Demi to be struggling her whole life with this sort of like almost like grappling with her own sense of of pleasure right and her own sense of desire she now is pansexual she says and she has eating disorders so she's she is a you know she's using food to medicate. She loves food. She loves, you know, luxury. She loves to be comfortable and she wants to, you know, you don't always see Taurus as being addicts because it's not so much about escapism. The Taurans really do like sort of the sensual pleasures of life. So they tend to want to be present for that. But I think in the case of Demi Lovato, who is a child star, who's from this super Christian Hispanic family, I think that she, or like Latina family, I think that she- Wait, is she? I thought she was just Italian. No, I think she's- um, I think she's his or not Hispanic. I know that's not the right word. I think she's Latina. I think she's, um, and I only know this because Demi Lovato's mom is a huge fan of our friend Kat Timpf. No so, way. Yeah. When Kat started doing sort of, so our friend Kat is, is a Fox news anchor, although she's sort of the comedic relief of Fox news. She doesn't really like re- report on too much hard hitting stuff. And I will say she is emphatically not a Republican. She's a libertarian and she's a comedian first and foremost. So she's sort of this like really popular now Fox news anchor because she really is providing this very, she's really doing comedy. I'm really proud of her actually, because she's turned an opportunity that might have gone really weird into one that was like best case scenario. The funny Fox News correspondent. Okay. So Demi Lovato's mom slipped into her DMs a few years ago and was like, I just want you to know, I tune into every single thing you're on. I think you're a star and Demi loves you too. So like, but I think Demi Lovato is like a Republican. I think she probably just has never voted and doesn't even it's not even on her radar whatsoever yeah I think her parents are Republicans and she doesn't have and I don't think she even 
cares. I don't think, I think if they hire her to work at the White House, she'll do it for whoever is there. I I think she's completely self-absorbed. And I don't, I don't mean that in a bad way. I think that she, I mean, okay, what is her sun sign? So not Aries close though. She is a Leo sun and a Leo rising in the first house. And then she has her Mercury, which is her thoughts, her communication, the way that she processes information and her Chiron, that ancient wound still in Leo, but they're in her 12th house of the subconscious. So she does have demons that are completely related to her ego identity, to her, you know, you know, Leo is sort of a sign that likes to act out, that needs a lot of attention, that has big star power. The sun in the first house and Leo rising combined means that she is really, not that she's a narcissist or not that she's, but she is here to like, in her world, attentions on her and her identity is is what she is kind of like she does speak from trigger constantly she does speak from her all she can do is talk about her own confusion around like her psychology or her and it's because that that mercury and chiron in the 12th house but then also having it be her identity and her her son it's like she really does have these deeply subconscious wounds around her her safety to express herself her safety to be a child her safety to be comfortable you know with her own aesthetic choices and and what she chooses to say but when you have a 12th house mercury especially when chiron's there oftentimes you don't really like i think she kind of doesn't know what she's saying a lot of the time i think when she's singing or expressing herself that's like the best demi that we're going to get because she's not having to like logically put together mediate through her own right like she has a kind of a a a deeply hidden unconscious like deems wounds from the past life that she can't even quite put her finger on and i think that she feels an enormous pressure because she is so very public and so her son her rising both of these are leo's first house son and then her moon is in the 10th house that's public career so her whole thing is that she feels on the chopping block 100 of the time she's in in all time like forever defense mode because she is, even- she's always in crisis mode always in crisis mode, always defensive, always defending herself, always feeling like she has, and and oftentimes because she has like done something wrong or done something to that she now needs to like defend or justify, or, you know, she, she is having to explain her behavior constantly because I think she really is deeply driven by unconscious psychological wounding that is driving her to do you know, performative things in a very public way that maybe are actually like linked to her demons or linked to her wounds, linked to wounds. When you have Chiron in the 12th house, it's hard because it's sort of like a wound that you can't quite ever put your finger on or really, it's, it's like, a, it's a psychic wound. It's a, it's a yeah. spiritual wound. She so, seems to have a big issue with, um, like self victimization, I think. Yes. Like she, like with this yogurt thing, Froyo thing. She really just thought that those cookies were attacking her and that right, this right. door was as powerful as her, if not more powerful because yeah. of the quiet stuff. And it's, and it's, it's kind of, I don't know. It makes me sympathize with her a little more because I'm like, she doesn't even understand the power that she has. Right. Well, I actually think that's what we're, so she's actually having her Saturn return. So her Saturn is at 14 degrees Saturn and the natal and the Saturn in the sky right now is at 12 degrees Saturn. So in the next few, you know, within the next few months, she will be literally having her Saturn return. And we may see after her Saturn returns, some growth or some, some, a reorientation of her relationship with the public because, you know, Saturn in Aquarius means that you really are bound to the collective, to broadcast, to that sort of like, you know, like we were saying with Colton, like Colton's an Aquarius with his Saturn in Aquarius. He's bound to, I think, working through a lot of his issues in a way that is on one level, social distance, sort of out of the physical reality of, of like sort of more personal, more, you know, more like intimate one-on-one and actually like his most intimate stuff is going to be broadcast. So she is, she is bound to Aquarian, you know, energy and she has to figure out 
who she wants to be for the public. And her Saturn is in the sixth house, which is the, is the house that rules like daily service, routines, health, mental health. So I think that she's really, I think she's really on track in terms of knowing that a part of her sort of, you know, like soul duty, like part of her, the mission of her soul is to provide service through her platform and through her ability to broadcast. She was I think, trying so hard to do that by doing yeah. this. She was like, oh, I'm going to start this hashtag. It's going to become a movement. And everyone's just like, Demi, you're tanking a Froyo shop. Right. Well, so that's <laughs> the whole thing. Because her Saturn is opposite that Chiron. So there's always this question for her that she, if I was her coach, if I was her therapist, I would just say, you know, be, remove all the apps from your phone. And before you make any statements, before you respond, you have to do a full inventory of just like your, your actual experience, what's going on for you, you're triggered when, and really go back to the root of it. And, and even if it seems monotonous, like when did this start? How long have you been struggling with this? What would you need in order to actually feel better? And then from that place, if she communicated from less of like a hot, from a hot triggered place and from a more thoughtful and actually like progressive, you know, change oriented place, which I think is what she's trying to do. But again, the minute that you speak from trigger, you end up doing foolish things because even if she's right to be on a crusade to end the stigma around, you know, sugar or, or, you know, the diet culture is actually nefarious, which I think it is the minute that you start taking down someone's froyo shop who's just like trying to make a living you are automatically wrong yeah agree tangential to demi also on the diet culture conversation this is just a really quick thing uh so nigella lawson she's this british chef and her whole thing is that she's like the sensual chef and everyone thinks she's right. like super like sensual and hot and pretty and she's always cooking and everything and I love her shows she was the one she went viral either earlier this year or last year for saying microwave because her shows are really um beautifully edited and beautifully put together and really calm and quiet and if you just blinked you would miss it on the show she was like I'm gonna put this in the microwave and then I'm gonna do this and someone thought microwave is so funny it's so good and someone thought to put it online and it became this huge thing oh my god I love microwave yeah and there was no there's no laugh track there's no studio audience she just said it and just let it float by like she's great but she sometimes her shtick is a little grating to me today because uh she came out with this interview the guardian interviewed her and the headline is i can be ecstatically happy with just bread and cheese and it's like okay well yeah so can we all but like literally that's the that we all are are stuck on eating too much bread and cheese right and the reason why i can't is because uh i can't go to the bathroom if i do and also (laughs) it makes me really bloated it makes my face gain weight i can't do it and then her other her other quote was, I love fat, all fats, and feel that policing them can only be to the detriment of proper cooking. And it's like, okay, you are like one of the hottest people alive and you're able to eat fat because you've got this perfectly proportioned Zafdig figure. Right. What about me who's five foot two and broad shouldered? I can't right. be eating camembert all day because it goes <laughs> straight to my stomach and my chin. Right. You know, like- I don't know. That triggered me. I'm operating from trigger. Well, but I, here's the thing. I think that, you know, in both cases, the real issue is that when we're talking about food and diet culture and sugar and fat, it's, it's too many sort of, the conversations are getting blended, right? Because there's a huge difference between like diet culture and versus like health. Right. So like Demi Lovato in the Froyo shop. I mean, look, Demi, if you are actually really struggling with, you know, your weight or your, your self concept, it's, it's not like, should I get the full sugar Froyo or the diet Froyo? It's like, maybe you should actually get an acai bowl. Like maybe it's like, you're in the wrong conversation if we're like, because the diet culture conversation is not the same as the, what is healthy conversation. And, And Demi Lovato should be concerned with her health, not her weight, but her actual health. And same with Nigella. It's like, 
okay, aren't you cute? You can eat all the cheese and the bread that you want. But as a talk show host, you know, and someone who's just, I guess, just double fisting fats and cheese and bread, great. I, I gosh darn love that way of eating. It's one of my favorite ways, but that's also not healthy. Like it's, it's like, nobody's talking. There's a huge difference between talking about, you know, health culture and choosing foods that are different for everybody that actually make them feel good. One of our friends who was like, not an official vegan, but kind of, you know, sort of vegan LA recently just had to go on an all meat carnivore diet because she has an autoimmune disorder that actually, even though she was technically eating quote unquote, super duper healthy for her body, she needed more iron. So it's different for everybody. For some yeah. people, that jam-packed protein cookie is actually going to be too much protein if they're not working out or if they're not. At- so, so it's really not about, you know, it's really not about diet versus sugar. It's about health and how things make you feel. And yeah, really- you know what else is bothering me about this Nigella thing? I just, what you're saying made me realize it is that she's attaching virtue and emotion to food in the same way that Demi is and in the yes. same way that diet culture is. 1000%. She's basically implying if you eat all fats, if you eat bread, if you eat cheese, you're doing it right. You're the great person. And Demi's saying, no, if you eat diet food, you're terrible. You should eat froyo that is full fat. And it's just all part of diet culture. It's all part of the same thing. Like in a perfect world, we should all be making our food choices in a vacuum where we're like, what makes me feel good? Genuinely good. Not hopped up on Mountain Dew good. Like really good. Being able to go to the bathroom every day and not have it be bad. And like, that should be what we all eat. But well, and as someone, I just want to say, as someone who, you know, my new moon intention, I'm done with soda, Molly. We're not doing soda anymore. It's the one thing that I really you drink soda, Molly. I okay. So at the beginning of this pandemic, I have not smoked cigarettes or soda ever in my life, and they became my two favorite things, right? And so when I'm wow. looking, I'm feeling like so fat. I'm feeling this and that. It's like no, I'm not, it's not that I eat so unhealthy, or it's that I. It's that I've been drinking, no, I've been drinking like, like a regular Coca-Cola with every meal all year. <gasps> that's yeah, hilarious. Dude. Like yeah, what are you, Don Draper? I know. Right. Well, that's the thing. So I kind of felt like that at the beginning. It's where funny. I, it's funny. Not because it's even that unhealthy. It's just so funny. Cause it's so like, that's so like, like 1950s. Yeah. Right. And, and like, why What? well, you know, actually that's, that's how it started when the pandemic started, you know, and we couldn't really do anything for fun. One of the things that Randy and I started to do in a very sort of cute way is he came home once with two of the like original bottle like Mexican cola and he's like you want to share a coke and it was a very 50s and it was so like romantic and cute but the minute that I had a sip of coca-cola again I was like whoa this (laughs) is incredible I I mean oh so good but here's what I'm gonna say even even the phase that I went through where I was drinking like no, there are some days and I don't even, I guess I, this is for everybody listening. We are, we're into progress, not perfection. So I'll, I will share, I'll air my dirty laundry here. No, there were days where like, I didn't drink any water and I had like three sodas because it was just like, whatever, give me another soda. I'm in the pandemic. No one's here. No one can see me. Like, like in, behind so closed doors. feel like crap? Well, that this is exactly where I was going with it, which is like, so even if it is like Mountain Dew high, I feel great. Actually, at a certain point, you don't feel good. And I feel like that's my cycle in general, which is like when I, even with the cigarettes, it's like when I go out through bad habits or, or anything, like whatever, it, I have to like tox myself out sometimes in order to make that like from a truly like self-oriented, like I would never, I hate Absolutely. it when people are like, you shouldn't be, the minute someone says to me, you shouldn't be doing that, I want to do it a thousand times more. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I just have that little rebel spirit. But I love cigarettes. I just wish that it was still okay to smoke like three packs a day. I would. Oh, I, I, I never knew until this year. I had never. I literally did not smoke cigarettes, and now I'm like, and I know I, I have. To, but even for me, I, the reason I'm not like regulating the amount that I'm smoking is because my my plan to end up stopping smoking is to talk to myself. I'm gonna gross myself out with it. I'm gonna be like okay, it's officially bad. My throat hurts all the time. I'm mm. coughing up blood. I, I smell. Cannot, I, yeah, I, I need to actually feel the punishment and choose. Not, like if I was just smoking a few times 
like a day or like if I was smoking like once a day, like Gwyneth Paltrow every night at 5 p.m. I have a, an American, you know, American class, whatever the, the American cigarette spirits. Smoke, American spirit. I love like, those. But if I were to do that in moderation, I would smoke forever. The way that same with the, so by the time that I was like, you know what, I can let go of soda. It's because I had, it's like the only way the diet culture or any kind of change has ever happened for me is because I have grossed myself out or I've like over I've overdone it to the point where I'm like I don't want this anymore well but the other thing I think that's really important is to not demonize any foods for yourself because or even cigarettes in the UK they say like I, I had a doctor's appointment earlier this week and the doctor was like what, how many cigarettes do you smoke a week? And I was like, oh, I just smoke when I drink. And he goes, oh, then you don't smoke. And I'm like, okay, well, Interesting. Kind of, okay, I'm, I'm moving to the UK. It's my kind of doctor. Right, to just assume that you're not, right, I, I only drink when I smoke every single night. <laughs> right, but like sometimes I'll go out and I'll have like five cigarettes. I love right. smoking cigarettes, but. I mean, I've smoked like five cigarettes just sitting here. It's, th- there's real pleasure in sometimes doing the wrong thing or eating the sugar or eating the bread or eating the cheese or drinking the soda. And the only way that it's worth stopping is when you actually feel like, okay, like even for you, you are now engaged. You're living with someone. If you were to be reeking of cigarettes all the time, okay, a few times when you're drinking, whatever, it's not that big of a deal. But if that became your like your mo, it, it you know, the, when the person you love comes to you and says, you know, Molly, the apartment smells bad, you may decide. No, to- you would smoke with me. Well, then I'm moving in with you guys and going to your doctor because. I, <laughs> You guys, that sounds like my kind of white, uh, you know, that's so, it's so like the UK, right? To be like, well, you know, like the way that, the way that the UK is sort of like secretly a little bit committed to racism, like with, you know, secretly a little bit, majorly out in the open, don't let any of them tell you that it's anything other than that. It's like, I, I think the UK must be kind of fun on some level because it really is like for a white person, it really is like kind of going into like a time warp where you're like, you know what? Like they just haven't evolved. And I, for a doctor you're just, to say- you're just allowed to openly complain about immigrants here. Right? And, and like, right. They just like, they just didn't want Archie to be black. They just didn't want the baby to be, yeah. it's like, it's, that's so messed up. And it's like, like, but, but there is this sort of weird- I mean, for the doctor to, for you to say, for him to say, how much do you smoke? And you say, only when I drink. And for his next sentence to be like, well, then you don't smoke. It's like, what? Like, what, what do words mean? What does the word mean? What, right. Like, what world are you all living in in the UK where you just do not have to evolve or actually be responsible for anything or <laughs> actually be like, it is white. It's like white utopia there. It's gammon utopia. That's my favorite British insult, gammon. Do you know what a gammon is? No, I just, backgammon. Oh my God. That's another topic. That crazy Jacqueline Suzanne novel I read, they were obsessed with backgammon. It was so weird. But a gammon is a, it's disgusting. It's like a really pale slice of ham. So when there's like old pink racist white men, British men, they call them gammons. So like being able to smoke a, a few a week and have it not count, that would definitely be like gammon culture. Whoa, gammon, uh, gammons. I'm not to look into that, but what a funny word. And yeah. is the ham good? No, it's disgusting. Got it. So it's, yeah, white gammon, white and gammon they'll, heaven. They'll eat a, a pale ham steak. They call it a gammon steak. That is so gross. Yeah, it's disgusting. They have a lot of good. They have a lot of good food. I'm not gonna lie. I really am a fan of the meat pies. That's what I always say. Is oh, like, I love meat pies and I love yeah. fish and chips. I, I I could do UK. I mean, yeah, there's some good stuff. Mm-hmm. But, but I will say, I think that like, yeah, the the issue with this whole Demi thing is that she's just she is right in her in her crusade, but her the way of going about it is it's not really what she means. She's not, she doesn't want to attack that store. She mm. wants to, she's trying to start a larger conversation. It sounds like actually there's some, there's a really healthy conversation available, which is like what she's saying because she didn't take enough time to intellectualize it is there's a problem with the marketing of certain, right. Guilt-free cookies is actually a marketing issue. She actually has a a brand responsibility issue. She, you know, I mean, but I think it's a little bit ridiculous. Like 
you know, this, this, the way that she phrased it is so dramatic. Like you need to be conscious of all of your customers. Having an extremely hard time ordering Froyo. Like, you okay, then you're doing great. Your life is great. Can we make that as a sweatshirt? Like I would wear that sweatshirt. Having an extremely hard time ordering Froyo is, I mean, because even that from the beginning of a sentence is, is really describes your mental state. That's everything we need to know. It's like, if, you're ha- if I'm having a bad day, I want to put on my, I'm having a hard time ordering Froyo sweatshirt and have everybody leave me alone. Wow. That's a great idea. I think we should do that. Let's do it. We'll yeah. sell more. Some people think divas. This is diva to you. Would you say, are you one? I never said that. Diva behavior. Great gowns, beautiful gowns. Diva Behavior, the podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.